Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Clam comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello there. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am your host, Liv, here with a very special episode. As we get deeper into December and I play a little more fast and loose with the structure of my episodes. That's a good example of it today. Today, I am back with the wonderful Alexandra Sills, who joined me back in October for an episode on gladiators in the Greek world and how deeply fun and weird and like kind of nerdy they were in the grand scheme of gladiators. And when we recorded that episode, we also recorded a little something more, an episode diving into the portrayal of gladiators on screen. Yes, I focused basically all of my knowledge on the Stars Spartacus series, as I both love it and have seen the gladiator-focused episodes of that series many times by this point, um, thanks to Jen and Jenny of Ancient History Fangirl. Shout out. But Alexandra, well, she actually studies gladiators, so she talks about other famous on-screen fights to the death, like the very obvious gladiator uh and the new one that's being made now which features a ridiculously white actor playing an ancient real guy who was from north africa and syria good times uh hollywood has come so far the sarcasm is coming across here right 
Uh, anyway, aside from that absurdly whitewashed bit of casting, we talked about just how gladiators are portrayed on screen versus what we know about the very real people who competed in these competitions, people who did it because they were enslaved and forced to, or because they'd gained their freedom and they still wanted to fight, or because they just felt like it in the first place. Plus, while we talk a lot about the fun side of gladiators on screen, and by that I do mean ridiculously cut and attractive men, primarily Australians, Honestly, uh, and how nice they look fictionally tearing apart another nearly naked man in the arena. Let's be honest, it's such a Roman topic that that is what I focus my attention on. I won't pretend to be better than that. But before we get into talking seriously about gladiator portrayal and uh, very not seriously about hot half-naked dudes on screen... Just a reminder that you have just a little longer to submit your questions, requests, comments, literally whatever for the new year Q&A episode. Head to mythsbaby.com slash questions and submit before December 27th. And I will do my best to get to everyone's submissions. And thank you to everyone who has already submitted. I have some great things to work off of. I love when I get particular ones where I'm like, hmm, thrilled somebody asked that. Cannot wait to answer. So send me more of those, won't you? This is episode 242, Half-Naked Dudes and Lots of Blood, Gladiators on Screen with Alexandra Sills. To the listeners... We, uh, Alexandra and I had planned to talk about these gladiators and then at one point I just sent like a frantic DM being like what do you know about Star Spartacus could we talk about it <laughs> and uh, yeah you were keen and so thank you because I'm just so fascinated by Star Spartacus but also we're going to turn it into more of like gladiators generally on screen because I think that's super interesting yeah. and like I've seen gladiator but it's been a while um, but I really I've seen Star Spartacus seasons one and two a lot. <laughs> so I'd love to know. I mean, we talked a little about how they have um they have shields, which is accurate, which is huge. Yes, the shields. Like, yeah. So yeah, I want to know like what they do right, what they do wrong. What does Gladiator do really wrong? Because I imagine there's a lot more wrong in Gladiator. And then got and any and everything. <laughs> Okay, so Star Spartacus, when it first came out, this was before I started researching the spectacle, and I kind of wrote mm. it off as like a 300 knockoff. I mean, it, yeah. it looked like it was trying to be 300, which already had that kind of fascist aesthetic thing going on, and I thought, hmm. But you know what? I started watching it again, because now that I research spectacle... I watch everything that's got spectacle in it. For instance, did you know that there's an episode of The Smurfs that has a Gladiator episode? Yeah. Now I know. Thank you. Yeah, and it's Brainy Smurf as well. It's not even like one of... So, you know, I I watch all of these. Sometimes it's like forcing myself to watch these. So I thought, I'll, I'll watch uh, the Star Spartacus series again. Yeah. And obviously, I'm not going to be happy with all of it, but I am 
obviously aware that it's entertainment. So, to be honest, I could talk for half an hour about the opening scene. <laughs> okay, so I want to. Um, oh, so here's here's my problem with how I went about it, and we can blame. Like, I only know of Spartacus through Jen and Jenny because they were they're really big on Rome. Um, in the mm. way that I'm just like obsessed with Greece, and so the like the silly origin that I just think says a lot um, about both my friendship with those ladies in ancient history fan girl but also like spartacus generally is that we talked one time but um ended up it was like in the height of the pandemic when everyone's like kind of locked down and we got really drunk over facetime and became friends and then they immediately transitioned into we want you to watch star spartacus with us but (laughs) what they wanted to do was go chronologically so to the listeners like oh yeah yeah, so so they start like the first season of Spartacus it, it introduces Spartacus and all of these, you know, characters and everything. Um but then during the second season, the actor who was playing Spartacus was diagnosed with cancer. It's really sad. Um and so they created a prequel series instead to like replace it. So what we did was watch the prequel series first, which introduces Gannicus. Um but also is ridiculously violent. Like a little bit more so than Spartacus or like more of like it's joyful in the violence because mm-hmm. and so like the very first um episode of that I know it ends with the guy getting peed on after he gets beaten to a pulp um yeah yeah but I wonder I forget like how the actual first I guess the first episode of Spartacus starts with like more of the Spartacus of it all and like how he gets to be enslaved so I'm just trying to remember because I always watch it Gannicus first (laughs) that was a long-winded introduction uh but (laughs) essentially my basis for the show (laughs) but all to say like yeah I mean I don't know what tell me everything I don't even know I'm just rambling now okay so I think what's really interesting with any time you tell Spartacus is that the elephant in the room is Stanley Kubrick and the 1960s Yeah, which I've never seen the original, I have to say. I mean, I have, and there's actually not not a lot of gladiatorial stuff in it. I think there's only two gladiatorial fights in the whole thing. Right. Well, it's more about the rebellion itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think it's really difficult because that film was so iconic. It's really difficult to retell the story without calling back to that version Mm -hmm. so for instance the first time we see Spartacus is he's in chains and the first time we see 1960 Kirk Douglas he's in chains so this time you see him he's chained up and eventually you work out he's chained up underneath Capua Amphitheatre and he's about to go and fight and um what I think is really interesting here, I mean, the <laughs> the nerdy thing that I thought is that amphitheater shouldn't be there, mate. It's not been built yet. <laughs> details, details. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. But uh, the Capriot Amphitheater was built by Augustus and then rebuilt uh, 100, 200 years later. Um, so the actual Spartacus died one year before the first stone amphitheater was built in Pompeii interesting so so if you see any version of spartacus in a stone amphitheater (laughs) (laughs) it's wrong so i mean i noted that yeah (laughs) being pedantic 
Um, but what I thought was really interesting was the level of detail that Star Spartacus go into, whereas other gladiatorial screen stories don't. Mm. So whereas I first kind of wrote it off as this hyper-glorification of violence, soft pornography, the level of detail that they cram in there is really, really commendable. Even just, like, the show generally, like, I do think it comes off like that. Like, it really wants to be 300, and it it would have given me real red flags, too, if it wasn't introduced to me the way it was, which was, like, two feminists yelling about how it's good. Um, But, like... Yeah, because it really gives that off. But it not only yeah. is it, like the detail that I can't wait to hear about, but also like it is, it's quite kind to women. Like the women characters are badass and also like violent and dark. And like, I don't know. Yeah, it, I do think that it is, it's a much better quality show in, in a lot of ways than I think people give it credit for if they haven't, you know, like actually kind of sat down and watched it all. Yeah, I think it, it suffers from trying to do too many things at once so for Mm -hmm. instance the dialogue is all quite elevated dialogue Mm -hmm. but the porn is very (laughs) pornographic yeah the details are there but then they they're trying really hard to attract the 300 bros Mm -hmm. and i think they haven't managed to personally they've done a great job i think but for me it's it's a little bit disjointed but what they really have done which i thought was brilliant is i've i've looked at gladiators on screen from all genres so for instance famous characters who have acted as gladiators on screen include but are not limited to captain (laughs) kirk uh, doctor who thor and the incredible hulk there is the Hunger Games, obviously. Oh, yeah. Bra- <laughs> Brainy Smurf. <laughs> Homer Simpson. Archer. <laughs> Fry and Dr. Zoidberg from Futurama. <laughs> you know, they're, they're all of these gladiators. Game of Thrones, Dungeons and Dragons, the new film that has a, an, an yeah. arena scene. It's interesting that Star Spartacus is the only one of, I think, 26 of these examples including science fiction, fantasy, all of these, the only ones to include queer relationships. Mm-hmm. Gladiators in well queer relationships. Too. And yeah, I mean, in the first series, there's a little bit of, you know, bury your gaze happening, but particularly in the prequel series, and then it's not quite as... Well, it is a little bit barrier gaze in the prequel series. But then when you get into the later series, there's some really beautiful queer relationships between these men. Mm-hmm. And out of all of these, you know, progressive shows, Stars, which is tits and swords, is the only one to show a really beautiful queer relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's that I think they really do need a round of applause for. Yeah. No, it's really true. And and like I was thinking about the barrier gaze aspect because like it it's there definitely. And I don't want to, to like, you know, try to defend anything, but at the same time, like I, I feel like it's not, 
I don't know. I feel like maybe it's not as egregious as like it definitely could have been more so because yeah. it, it is still in service to one of the characters. You know, like it, it it's in service to the plot and to the romance or of like um I'm thinking Barca. And like Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's it's like there, but also like I don't know, makes sense and then also like leads him to having other relationships which are also valuable, you know? Does that like Yeah. Yeah. It's it's difficult to uh, explain fully, but yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it that way though. And it is huge to be in a show like that. Like 300. It's like, you know, 300 is like the straightest straightest thing ever. Yeah. It's about the Spartans. Whereas, I yeah, mean, there's like, there's a reason a certain type of of guy uh -huh. likes that film, right? I uh -huh. mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I do think that Spartacus almost was like, yeah, they were kind of almost like we don't want that type, we don't, we're not looking yeah. for the three hundred audience, and we're going to make that very clear because not only is there queer relationships, but they're like really lovely, like beautiful the, relationships yeah they're really well done and really believable and yeah men showing emotions God yes in, in a setting like gladiators so it's there's so much there i mean even some of the minor characters in the stars basket series show a wider range of emotions than russell crowe does in gladiator and i know that yeah. i mean he was amazing in that film and he deserves the oscar but he didn't exactly run the gamut of emotions mm -hmm. in that film. The male friendships too, like yeah. the friendships in there. Yeah, yeah, both romantic and and not and. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. there's there's a thing that I've noticed in gladiatorial stories, is that um, the protagonist needs two types of friends. The one that's kind of obedient sidekick. Mm -hmm. and sometimes this is the same person sometimes it's a separate person and then there's the other guy who dies a violent death to show that they're in a dangerous situation but so that the protagonist can live and a lot of uh gladiatorial stories on screen it is very much fridging um you know they're there to die in a horrendous way so that you can think oh phew my guy didn't die but I think in Spartacus, they really do have a lot deeper characterization to mm -hmm. the supporting cast than Gladiator. And even, I'd say, even The Hunger Games, mm -hmm. really, the films, the books, maybe not, but the, the films of The Hunger Games, some of the characters there, the supporting characters, they're not as deep as in this Star Spartacus series, which is, mm -hmm. you know tits and swords and so what... <laughs> many of both also the male nudity they do not shy away from like like there's an enormous amount of that show that i think is pretty strongly through like female gaze like yeah <laughs> or queer no. or like just yeah it's very not straight man yeah i, I, I think you're right there um, <laughs> and of course this goes back to though Gladiators in ancient Rome were huge heartthrobs. There's a piece of graffiti in Pompeii, and it might have been written by the guy himself to, you know, like big himself up. It might have been written by a fan, but he puts a 
I'm the one who makes all the girls sigh. <laughs> and then, <laughs> there's a story about um, a wife who's who's run away with a gladiator, even though he's got you know cauliflower ears and a broken nose and scars all over his face and things like that. I'm saying, why would she run away with him? And I'm thinking, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gladiator for me came out when I was 15 and it's a very important age for a girl. And, uh, yeah. you know, not Russell Crowe, though. It's always been Hagen for me. Big old mm. German blonde guys. I don't know what that says about me. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know if Gladiator, I'm just trying to remember what's in it. I also it came out when I was, it came out in 2001, right? Uh, 2000, yeah. 2000. 2000. Okay, yeah, so I was yeah. 12. Yeah, I feel like I was just like little, little younger. I remember watching it though in like a what was basically like an art history kind of class, but it was supposed to also kind of be <laughs> ancient civilizations. And our teacher, uh, was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, I then mean, I would have been like sixteen. So. <laughs> I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. 
It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So this is where I think Spartacus is better than gladiator on and a couple of them are like you know minute details that only someone as nerdy as me would care about so for instance helmets spartacus uses helmets because they had helmets on nearly all of the time uh spartacus has shields which again really important piece of kit you mustn't leave your shield behind you can do massive amounts of damage with it as well as defense take your shield um but also, yeah, it does show the nudity, which isn't it is an important aspect because it highlights the skill that you needed as a gladiator if you've got your six pack showing, and most of them wouldn't have had six packs, sorry. I'm thinking, you know, <laughs> do you remember that Pompeii film with um Kit Harrington <laughs> yeah. as Milo the Gladiator? He's coming out looking like he's got like zero <laughs> percent body fat. I'm thinking <laughs> he's not gonna have the energy to do a fifty anyway. Yeah, you've got this amazing body. Having it on display shows how skilled you need to be with defense with your shield. Because if you're wearing a massive breastplate like Maximus is, of course you can take as much damage as you want. There's no risk yeah. there. Part of the part of the danger of a gladiator fight is that they're so exposed behind the shield. So yes, you need your shield. Mm-hmm. Um, in Gladiator, they're all wearing tunics all the time, and Maximus just goes through i think there's one fight where he kills six people and i counted it something like 32 seconds and i know they're making they're making a point there that he's he's accepting the role but he's refusing to fulfill it in the way that they want him to by providing the spectacle but um i think what's really great about spartacus is that they show match after match there is man on man equally matched and they do have that level of skill in gladiator um you get a lot of clanging sounds sword on sword clang 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 and they just hit each other's swords for however long the scene lasts which is (laughs) not exciting (laughs) it wouldn't have (laughs) 
it wouldn't have worked and the Romans wouldn't have been very impressed with it. Uh, I think in Spartacus, they, they go more out of their way to show some actual technique. And oh, I don't know who was the choreographer on, on the series, but they've done a, a great job in showing that actually you've got this kit on, this is what your kit is. You can't just clang, clang, clang. It doesn't work. You've got to find ways around it. Um, I mean, occasionally they've fallen into the trap of, oh, I'm going to do this big old move because it looks good on screen and it was used in a video game or something, so people are going to go wild when they see it. But generally, their matches are really good. Mm-hmm. It's what more I... of a spectacle. Like, it feels yeah, like a spectacle. Absolutely. Yeah. But what I really hate about Spartacus mm. is the spectators. <laughs> because they are seen to be screaming and bloodthirsty. The women are so into it that they don't realise that their tits are hanging out. It's mm-hmm. it's showing the spectators to be mindless, bloodthirsty morons. Mm. When actually, that's not the role of spectacle. It's it's to think about mortality and masculinity and strength and courage and imperialism and mercy. It's not just to see someone bleed. If you want to see someone mm. bleed, you can do that anywhere in Rome, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. <It's, laughs> yeah. What they're going to see is the skill and the masculinity. And that's, I think, where Spartacus, the series, for me has the best fight scenes out of all gladiatorial screens so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, Films, TV, Spartacus has got the best one. Mm -hmm. They're, and this is like my lack of knowledge, um, (laughs) like uh, observation, but they also seem to have a pretty decent grasp on the, um, the imperial imperialism aspect like the way that the a lot of the different gladiators come from so many different parts of Rome where they would have been enslaving people there's a lot of like there's a lot more diversity in that I mean yeah enslavement but still yeah because they were coming from all corners of the empire and beyond Mm -hmm. and you've got them all they did live in the same place in confined spaces and it would have been the case that especially in towns that weren't big enough to have two gladiatorial familia mm. you would have to fight the people that you're living with mm-hmm. and how do you how do you deal with that how do you confront the fact uh, so one brilliant scene that Spartacus does really really well is Varro the uh, the guy that signs up to get mm-hmm. his infant son some money the octorati and he's killed at a party on the whim of a 14 year old aristocrat Mm -hmm. that scene is perfect because he has to accept his death with dignity that's what he's been trained to do he is absolutely right to say that spartacus will be punished if spartacus doesn't kill him Mm -hmm. it absolutely was the case that on a whim your best friend could be the one to kill you and you had to deal with that in the way that was expected of you which i can't imagine it must have been so hard it's taken some serious brainwashing Mm -hmm. but again one of the things that that series does so well is that all of these people were living in close confinement with each other but that the the ludus the building that they were all living in and training in 
wasn't just gladiators. That show shows the trainers, the doctors, the cleaners, the cooks. It shows mm-hmm. that it was a huge, huge machine of different people producing these shows behind the scenes, mm-hmm. living together and having to negotiate such this strange profession together. Yeah. And I think in it's... in other shows they other shows and films they, they don't go into that so much. It's all oh well that, that guy's bad because he's from this area of the Empire and I like this one and that's that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah it seems more like surface level like just what I remember of yeah. Gladiator is very it's like like yes his like kind of you know in, enslavement is the point but it also like like I don't want to say it glamorizes it but it doesn't show like I guess I should say the what I took from Spartacus particularly I mean in, in different ways between the first and the second season um you know the first season shows the horror like of of being in a situation where you are enslaved to be forced to do that and then I think the second season shows the different side of it which is equally interesting you know Gannicus is enslaved and he is forced to do these things but then he gains his own freedom and he does get a satisfaction out of it like like I could see Gannicus being one of the people that you talked about you know in our longer episode about the gladiators is like I could see him having an epigraph you know about how proud he is of what he did whereas Spartacus wouldn't like it shows the kind of two different sides that yeah. there could be because you know there are some people who embrace their life and embrace what the, the skills that they you know have have gained from this and like take pride in it and then there are others who are like I'm doing this because I have to yeah and there's there's a great scene with Gannicus is his death scene which is mm. where he's one of the people being crucified along the Appian Way and he it's it's left kind of open whether he's hallucinating through you know <laughs> being crucified and his all his mm. oxygen is disappearing or whether he's you know in his final moments he imagines himself back in the arena with thousands of people cheering his name and that's mm. he smiles on his way out and i think it's 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 brilliant in its own little way because it it kind of gives these men the pride that too often we try and take away from them with our kind mm. of new Christianity is spread over the West and now we're all, you know, moralistic, even if we're not particularly Christian. That kind of wouldn't hurt a fly kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. With it, Gannicus, it, it he, was, he was an artist in his own way, which is an odd way to think about it to a yeah. modern perspective. But this is how you've got to think of them is they consider themselves very skilled tradesmen. Mm-hmm. And I can absolutely see that that's, that's the kind of way that he'd want to go out. He's on a cross, but that's, that's the way he would have wanted to go out. Mm-hmm. Thousands sharing your name. Well, I feel like this show is very aware of, of what, what it's doing too, because like, even just as an, like watching it, you know, y- you, you go through kind of so many different things because like the, the spectacle that they put on when people are in the arena is 
like incredible to watch and and you do like you can understand how it would have been to be watching that you know in the ancient world but then at the same time you have to see the the parts of their lives that were horrific but you also get to see the parts where they were able to make something that they could be proud of amidst a life that maybe they didn't choose and then but they you they also give you the depth of like like you develop a real love hate relationship with the you know with um Badiatis who like owns everybody and his whole family like I think that they're very aware of making a show that's like you're gonna love these people you're gonna hate them you're gonna be really uncomfortable like there's just so many different kind of things at play and maybe I'm giving them a lot of credit I don't know but like it's quite enjoyable in that way you do kind of get to see so many different bits and pieces yeah what I really liked uh with Batiatis was they emphasized with him how gladiators would be considered by the people own owning them. Mm. So you see him care for them, not necessarily out of human compassion, because that's not his way, mm-hmm. but because they are investments. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the, and it thankfully it's becoming less of a prevalent myth now. The myth that, was running rampant that gladiatorial fights always were fought to the death mm-hmm. which we know isn't true uh you probably had anywhere between a one in five and a one in ten chance each time you went out of leaving dead hmm. that's quite low i would uh, based on what i've learned through the myth of it being to the death i think um the the beginners Obviously, your chances were higher, mm-hmm. but the better you became and the more famous you became and the more experienced you became, you began to be a draw yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, your name in lights. So it was worth keeping you alive so that you could keep making your boss money. Mm-hmm. And I think Spartacus, that series really does show that he is viewing them. And again, not because he's a humanitarian, but, (laughs) (laughs) you know, through financial, uh, a financial lens, he's thinking, how can I get these guys to make money? I need to look after them in a certain way to make sure they're fighting fit. And this is why you've, you've got scenes with the doctors and the medical teams. We know that gladiators did have the best medical care. A lot of money was spent on the medical care. They were given a specific diet to keep them fighting fit. Not a particularly uh, rich diet, shall we say, but it gave them exactly the amount of fuel that they needed to do the training. And what I really like about the series is that it shows how much of a commodity a gladiator could be through Batiatis, the, the, the way that he talks about them financially, the way that he talks about buying them, selling them, is it worth doing this with this one? How long should I keep this one alive for? And that, I think it it hits home with him. I'm keeping this one alive because he keeps Spartacus alive longer than some of his friends want him to because he knows that it's going to be a good show and a good show earns him money. Mm-hmm. So it does demonstrate perfectly why you don't kill your gladiators 50% of the time. 
Mm-hmm. You need them to rise up those ranks and become superstars. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you need to keep them well trained, which they do. You you can see he's got a trainer. They even train well, like they do in the artistic depictions that we have. They would train by hitting a big stick. <laughs> it sounds so silly. A big stick. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, you know, a tree trunk. Yeah. And you, you would you would try attacking it. We know that. We've got it in art. So they've mm. got that right. Uh, so I think more than any other series, Gladiator, it goes into it li- a little bit uh, with Proximo. But um, Spartacus really does go well into the territory of it's a business enterprise. Mm-hmm which I think gets lost in in some other translations that would see it more as just, you know, a bloodbath. Mm -hmm. Capitalism, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so much more interesting to see those aspects too, because otherwise, I mean, yes, it's a bloodbath, but also like you just kind of get stuck on, you know, turning, like heroizing the main character, like in Gladiator, like it just becomes a bit more, I don't know. Like I, I think it's more interesting to examine. Well, I mean, surprise, surprise. I think it's more interesting to examine the like ancient world of it all. The all the different aspects that went into something like gladiators, all the bits and pieces, the very real life, you know, yeah. of everyone involved. It's so much more interesting to look at that stuff and and see how everything would work together and where things would clash and and just to kind of see all sides of it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because Batiatis and uh, and his rival, it always comes down to money, mm-hmm. and that's exactly how it was. So, for instance, yeah. the person owning the gladiators, in this case, Batiatis, would rent them out to the person putting on the show, and that would be at a fixed rate depending on what type of gladiator, what rank they were. So mm. the more experienced superstar ones could charge a hell of a lot more than the beginners. Mm-hmm. And if they left the arena alive, that was their fee. If they died, the person renting that gladiator not only lost what we would consider the deposit, he mm. would have to pay the owner, in this case, Batiatis, the full worth of that gladiator as Mm. compensation so he's essentially buying the whole gladiator if -hmm. they die so when you see scenes of uh gladiators like maximus or spartacus just plow through 10 opponents in seconds Mm -hmm. it all starts to become so expensive to become too expensive to be real yeah. Because yeah. no no one no one would want to spend the money buying six, eight, ten gladiators to die in thirty seconds. Yeah. Just because some upstart has a point to prove. That's the kind of thing that gets you whipped back at the ludus, if not immediately yeah. executed. It all comes down to money. What a surprise. Shocker. The world yeah. is so different now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i mean it it goes to show as well the 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 more famous spartacus becomes you see that his life in the ludus becomes a little bit richer he got some 
gets a little bit of a nicer place to sleep, gets mm-hmm. treated nice, nicer by uh, the staff. It's, it's all entirely plausible mm-hmm. that you'd want to keep your celebrities happy. And part of that meant, <laughs> I mean, it didn't work, did it? Because Spartacus, as we know, wasn't very happy, famously. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah, famously unhappy. Uh, with his lot but (laughs) and this is actually this is one thing that Spartacus does very well and it links straight back to Stanley Kubrick's Spartacus because the stars series shows him in the very first episode as being more uh military militarily uh talented than the Roman Mm. the Roman ignores his advice it all goes horribly wrong blah 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 Spartacus is enslaved This is important because in the 1960 version, um, the novel that it was based on and the screenplay were both written by prominent American communists. And they were following in a long tradition of making Spartacus some kind of communist messianic figure, right? And the studio executives and to a certain extent, Stanley Kubrick himself went, ah, we can't do this because we're going to get in trouble with the uh, yeah. with the authorities. They're going to whop us in prison. So slowly but surely over the course of that film being made, every reference to Spartacus being a credible threat to the Roman Empire was taken out. So mm. the real Spartacus fought in, I think, nine battles. And they don't show a single one in that film apart from the one where he fails. Huh. So none of his victories are shown. Uh, the screenwriter had to fight with the studio executives to have them mention any of the victories. So that film, because they were so scared of presenting a communist hero, wow. essentially emasculated him completely into someone who you think, well, yeah, he's... He's not a credible threat. You never see him doing anything threatening. (laughs) But the Stars series shows all of these battles. They show you that he has got this tactical mind, that he can organise a battle, that he is a man of the people. I don't think it would be fair to call the ancient Spartacus a communist or an abolitionist of slavery. There's no evidence that he wanted any of that. I think the evidence Mm. is that he wanted to escape if he could take a lot of people with him that's great because there's strength in numbers but it's not because he wanted to destroy the uh, institution of slavery there's yeah, just no evidence for that yeah. so he was not a revolutionary he just understood that he was more likely to escape if he had a lot of people backing him up mm-hmm. but i think that one thing that is important that the star spartacus series has done is to re um return him as a credible military threat because um he was you know he 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 really was a credible threat and the 1960s they were too scared to show it yeah i didn't know any of that because i haven't seen that one um yeah that's that's so 1960s and also so american broadly like oh yeah but especially american in that time but i mean the way america is still just so entirely afraid of the very concept of communism is 
hilarious. Um, but yeah, oh, that's <laughs> yeah. really that's really interesting. <laughs> I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have a, one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! 
you bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on Story Button, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so, I mean, I will give them props for that. They show the battles, they show you him winning. And I yeah. obviously they've got a series rather than a film, so they've got more time to show it. But it's not like Stanley Kubrick didn't have the budget. He There's there's a reason that he didn't put Spartacus winning any battles in the movie. Yeah. But here, you know, they show him and he he really, really frightens the Romans and he did. So that's mm. that's really cool. Yeah, I really love that. I I just wish um that it ha- they hadn't had to change actors. Um but <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's not yeah, it's not the same. Um that's really interesting. I'm really glad to know that. And I also though like realize we've already gone over our little planned time, but I would love to still hear a bit more about the what your thoughts are on the um new gladiator and potential new spartacus if you've got yeah so ridley scott for reasons unknown to anyone but himself (laughs) yep (laughs) has decided to do a sequel 23 24 well it will be 24 years later um which has prompted stars to talk about rebooting their series and there's also a third uh there's a third gladiatorial series on its way, which is Roland Emmerich is making a series called Those About to Die, which there is not a lot of info about. So hmm. cautiously optimistic <laughs> about that one. Um, <laughs> the issues that I have with Gladiator 2 are, <laughs> um, for a start, they're whitewashing the cast. That's what I was going to say. That's the only thing I know is that which is the most. Okay, so there's only one that I heard of because I think it was so egregious. Like the person was from, like the real person was like Carthaginian or something, and they have like the whitest actor. So yeah, they've got um, Caracalla, and his father was from Leptis Magna, which is in northern Africa, and his mother was Syrian. And they've got him being played by. Oh, I think it was going to be that guy, the Irish from guy. Stranger but... Things, right? Oh, no. There's one. Oh, no. Yeah, it's Things. the guy from Stranger Things. And then his yeah. brother is equally, you know, even paler, if right. that's possible. <laughs> yeah. um, the reason that I've got an issue for this is that, like 300, the movie Gladiator has its own special little fan club of mm-hmm. uh, of people with certain ideological views. And there's already a problem with whitewashing antiquity to fit in with this idea of the West being the inheritors of this pure civilization. Uh, And if you start whitewashing the crap out of a dynasty that were very much not white, I think that's, it's just, 
giving ammunition to the wrong people who have, let's oh, face it, got enough ammunition as it is. Yeah, the, so, the idea that we're still doing that in 2023, that's the most horrifying thing. Because you're right, like, yeah. like the, the ancient world, particularly Greece and Rome, already have an enormous amount of white supremacy tied to them by by white white supremacists but also by these like long-standing ideas of whiteness that have been put on them so yeah like taking a character that's got north african and syrian roots and making them so white you know i mean milk pale just like the palest person imaginable yeah and i mean they're filming in malta i don't know how much spf they're going through with that cast yeah, I mean they're all they're, yeah. It's wild, wild. <laughs> I I learned about that casting and I was like, oh, the guy from Stranger Things, cool. Um, and then I saw somebody tweet about because I didn't just didn't know where Caracalla was from, but then they were like, yeah, Syrian and North African. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, okay. that might have been me tweeting. Actually, I've been it very vocal about was. it. <laughs> it was. I feel like. <laughs> Is either you or like I mean it's, yeah it, I'm on a very leftist classics part of Twitter thank fuck yeah um, there's a reason I'm there that's where the cool but kids like, are yeah, well, damn right uh, I got threatened with communism the other day and I was like please <laughs> like, yes please don't threaten please. me with a good time <laughs> <laughs> like truly I, uh, but yeah it, it's yeah it's yeah I mean it's horrifying that that is still happening as well the thing is. Gladiatorial stories, and this goes for swords and sandals, as well as other genres that it's bled out into, Mm. has a real problem with how they talk about race. Star Spartacus less so, but it's it's not perfect. In that a lot of the characters of colour amongst the gladiatorial ludus um, are what we would call the black buddy sidekick, or sometimes referred to as the magical negro. Uh, Claire Greenhouse has done a great chapter on this she's listed all of them and how they all fit into the same tired tropes that again go back to the 1960 film where it's released in 1960 so you've got this uh, the black gladiator Drabber uh, who decides it's better to die than to live enslaved which might have been a really strong message in 1960 but here we are all of these years later and you've still got the black gladiators being sacrificed left, right and centre and being treated like Mm -hmm. subservient to their white buddy. Mm -hmm. What frustrates me with Gladiator 2 is that they are bringing back Juba. He is recurring. Now, he is the only member of Maximus's Ludus to survive the first film. All of the rest of them sacrifice themselves to give Maximus enough time to get away. Uh, Juba is the only person that manages to escape. And he says at the end, uh, and now we are free. Uh, I will see you in this life and not what the next. And you think, well, who's we? There's none of you left, right? Yeah. You're all dead. But more than that, he is the one that talks to Maximus about the importance of family, homeland, he is the one that buries uh, Maximus's little figurines of his wife and son, talks about meeting them in the afterlife. And you see Juba at the end of the last film. He is the character that is the hope for uh, the audience stand-in because he's, he's the only person who's not an aristocrat who survives the film. Right. 
and you get the the idea that now he is free so he's going to go back to africa and find his family and ch- his children his wife that he's spoken about but then they're bringing the actor back for the sequel so what does that say it says that he hasn't managed to achieve freedom he hasn't oh. got back to his homeland he hasn't reunited with his family and he's still crushed under the roman wheel so that's really fucking depressing Mm-hmm. sorry i mean i love the actor i think he's brilliant but that that is pissing in my cornflakes yeah i yeah i wish i, wish I remembered gladiator now because i'm i just don't even i don't even remember most of the plot i think the last time i saw it um but yeah it's i mean yeah it, it also just generally i'm curious how they're gonna handle the whole plot given everything you just said you know, even, yeah. even aside from the ramifications of bringing back a character like that, like it just—I don't know—it doesn't seem like a movie that was at all in need of a sequel, let alone one twenty-four years later. I mean, the thing is, is if you're going the historical route, which I highly doubt because I don't think Ridley Scott's ever read a book about ancient Rome. Um, <laughs> you mean Maximus wasn't a real person? No, could you believe it? Did you um, go around naming everybody Maximus. So Lucius isn't supposed to have survived, neither is his mum, who is also coming back. Um, Lucius did have a surviving brother who was uh, murdered by Caracalla, I think, or one of the Severans murdered him. So either they're going to kill off Paul Mescal, <laughs> or, I don't know, maybe maybe they'll have him be the one that kills Caracalla, because Caracalla was assassinated in a very exciting way. He was having a wee at the side of the road and got stabbed <laughs> whilst he was pissing. So I highly doubt Ridley Scott's going to put that in. Um, oh. So either they're going to have a film called Gladiator 2, which has hardly got any gladiators in it. I don't know. It's going to be a fucking mess. Yeah. Such a mess. Well, the I thing, mean, if you base your entire movie on freeing gladiators and then you make a second one called Gladiator 2, like what are what is the point? What are you doing here? I mean, I mean, they've got bigger problems because, I mean, they've got to somehow explain that Maximus died so that they could bring the Republic back. And now they've got to admit, oh, he didn't bring the Republic back. It's still Emperor's. Oopsie. Your hero <laughs> died for nothing. Oops. So that's embarrassing. Um, I've got no idea why. I mean, the film, I love that film. Not as a fascist. I have other <laughs> reasons for liking the film. Um, I don't know that you had to say that, but I appreciate that you did. <laughs> I mean, I do. I really do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just want to say, I would have assumed, and I would hope that if you're on my show, you're just not a fascist, you know? I'm very much not a fascist, but a lot <laughs> okay. of fascists like the film. So, yeah, unfortunately, it is getting to the point where you've got to kind of clarify. Um, I mean, it sounds like 300. Only yeah, exactly. Worse. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't think it needed a sequel. I highly intend to get some journal articles, maybe a conference paper or two out of it. So, great. Yeah, benefit. Um, <laughs> the Star Spartica series is also going to be difficult to reboot simply because yes, there were survivors. We did see a hell of a lot of them be crucified along the Appian way. That's accurate. However, the ones that escaped over the mountains were all hunted down over the next year by Pompey and also crucified and murdered in their thousands. So again, really fucking depressing. That'll be a great show. 
It's, it would literally be 10 episodes of people living in the woods, having to wipe their ass with leaves and get hunted down by Romans. There's there's no happy ending. <laughs> Slavery wasn't stopped. To be Gladiatorial no. combat wasn't stopped. Aristocracy crunching people under their heels. That didn't stop. It's... I, I don't know, you could do another prequel maybe, but I think the really important thing to note with the Spartacus story, and they do follow history quite closely, mm. uh, there was never a single gladiator uprising after that. Mm. Either people were too oppressed to do it, or they were too, as we've seen, you could, it was perfectly possible to be content as a gladiator with your mm-hmm. fate. So there wasn't another uprising. So if you're going to do another series, it's either going to be about people being massacred (laughs) (laughs) or maybe they could do a series where Spartacus's ghost goes to Greece, where there's loads of cool gladiators who who aren't miserable all the time. You know, that would be fun. You you could get me as the historical (laughs) consultant on that one. I I work for, you know, really cheap, so cheap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah i'm i'm not looking forward to any of it simply because <laughs> i mean i don't i don't understand they're, they're gonna have to dig themselves out of so many holes no. for both ones so my money is on those who are about to die because well simply because i don't know anything so i can't get depressed yeah. about it yet <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. So I, know. <laughs> I think the important thing is there have been gladiators on screen since we've had screens. And if anything, after Kubrick and after Ma- and after Ridley Scott, it's shown excel- acceleration. So you've got them in science fiction, fantasy, uh, dystopian comedy, parody, Smurfs. Um, <laughs> you've got them in I'm never so not gonna find that the hilarious <laughs> i can't believe it myself no, um, <laughs> and i think the recent dungeons and dragons movie which had a fantastic arena mm-hmm. se- sequence i think if that's such a fun movie oh it's a brilliant movie really underrated i feel like i didn't hear anybody talk about it it's oh, very good i mean i could talk about that movie for for hours just about that one scene um (laughs) that scene shows that with imagination and modern cgi you can make arena scenes ever more bombastic so i don't think gladiators are going to leave our screens anytime soon away from swords and sandals but they're still going to be there often I mean, we've seen them in Game of Thrones. We've seen them. We've seen them everywhere. They, they are the Thor everywhere. Was pretty. Oh pretty. yeah. The Thor. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah, Korg. Oh, Korg is brilliant. I mean, what a character. Honestly, truly. <laughs> and you know, you know what I really loved about that is that <laughs> this is going to sound so nerdy. The Hulk had his helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> The detail, people. The detail. I mean, that movie is one of the best Marvel movies ever. 
<laughs> you know, I, I'm not a huge Marvel fan. I watched it because I knew it had a gladiatorial scene in it because mm. I, I did a paper that's coming out soon, actually, about gladiators in Hollywood. It's coming out mm. in a Melita Classica, volume nine. <laughs> um, and, you know, I go through all of these shows and talk about what they've got in common. And um, that's the only reason I watched that film. So I had to get my friends to explain, why is Thor doing that? Who's this guy? <laughs> The best part about that movie, though, is I feel like it's such a departure from most of the Marvel that came before it, which is why I like it so much, but also like would be probably easier to be kind of thrown in because it's really absurd compared to most others, including the other Thor movies. Like, it doesn't really fit in a great way. Yeah, I feel like it has a, sem- a similar sense of humor to the Dungeons and Dragons on Amongst Thieves. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And I really well, hope also, that turns was- into a franchise. Oh my god, me too. No, it was wonderful. Yeah. But like when it comes to the Thor, it's ju- it was just so Taika Waititi. That was the key to it, right? It was like the first one he did, and then of course he plays oh, Thor, and it's key. just like it's that's what it is. It's it's uh, like it's that's, that's why hilarious and wonderful, and yeah. <laughs> and you know, I mean, going back to the Greek gladiators, I think if anyone takes them to the screen, it needs to be Taika Waititi. Oh my god, could you imagine? <gasps> <laughs> like it could be like um what's his amazing pirate show but like <laughs> oh yeah our flag means yeah. yeah you can yes, have your you. you know really overly serious movies with maximus in in the west but we'll have tyker in the east <laughs> yes making <laughs> our flag means death but like oh. with gladiators like it could be so queer and silly and fun but with greek gladiators I've got like casts, ideal casts already running through my head. And again, I would work so cheaply as a historical consultant. I'm just saying (laughs) I would work for cookies if necessary. Just give me a call. (laughs) I'm also going to correct in case somebody wants to yell at me. I know that he isn't making Our Flag Means Death. He's in it. I know it has different creators. It has the same vibes. I just know that I enjoyed it. I thought that was fabulous. I mean, there's a reason he's in it because it has some very similar vibes to him (laughs) in any case. um, Yeah, that's a new goal. I just want more than anything, and this comes up on the show all the fucking time. I just want a movie about the ancient world that is accurate in its absurdity because there is so much wonderfully magnificent absurdity to work with in the ancient world and instead (laughs) every time hollywood picks it up they either make it like overly serious to the point of unrealistic or they like clash of the titans it where they're like yeah it's mythological and weird but none of it's accurate even though everything perseus actually does could make for an incredible movie with all of the same action and fun and silliness without making like a fucking herd of pegasi or like <laughs> having pegasus go fly him to medusa like i just i just want some accuracy do you know there some... is there is one inaccuracy though and all of the gladiator shows have it and i will never ever complain about it is braces the men always wear the braces on their wrists and i will mm. never ever complain because i have <laughs> no. a theory right that braces on men is like corsets and lingerie on women i can see this yeah (laughs) in that they are designed completely purposeless 
apart from <laughs> to highlight a particular body part that looks particularly good on that gender. Right? That's their sole function. Braces are like corsets for men. Because <laughs> you think about all the films, Brad Pitt and Troy and Eric Banner and yeah. Troy, they've got the braces. Oh, I can see them. Yeah. Like I think Cavill right wears now. braces when he Ooh. he was Theseus, wasn't he? Oh, in a yeah, film, we don't talk about that. I mean, There's absolutely nothing about it actually resembles Theseus, and Theseus is still garbage. It's Henry Cavill, so I'll give it a pass. Uh, but yeah, For sure. you think we can, I'm sure he oh. wears them in Witcher, and they look great. So yes, <laughs> James Purefoy in Rome Ooh. wears mm. braces better than any man I've ever seen. So I don't care how many gladiators wear them. Gladiators didn't have them. <laughs> but they look you can, hot. You can stick them <laughs> on whomever you like and it will make them look hotter. It's magic. It is magic. Magnificent. <laughs> Just put them well, on that everyone. Isn't the perfect way to wrap it up. I don't know what else. <laughs> Bracers are hot, even if they're inaccurate. We're all <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mum is going to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure she'll just it with you. Thank you so much for doing this one too. This was so much fucking fun. Oh, it was. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to tell my listeners again where to find more, or I can also just copy what you said in the last episode? Uh, you can find me on pretty much all social media as Beloved Voices. Um. I am currently contributing to Bad Ancient and Working Classicists. Uh, I've got a couple of articles coming out that will probably be linked somewhere on my website, which I'm sure you can provide a link to because I can't remember yep. what I can't no, remember I'll, what I'll the URL is. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm around. I'm everywhere. I'll link to the Bad Ancient and stuff too because it's fun oh brilliant. Like Thank you. Share those things. Yeah, any working classes and stuff too. I just really yeah. Don't I mean, them. I am so proud to work for those two. They're wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nerds. Thank you so much for listening. It was so fun speaking with Alexander about this. Just diving into the representations of gladiators in a fun and silly kind of way. It's fascinating the ways that the ancient world is portrayed on screen for good and bad, even when it's Rome. <laughs> Gladiators specifically hold our attention in a way that so much else from the ancient world just like doesn't. Obviously, there's so much to unpack about why that is, but they remain a fascinating topic and one where we actually have a number of really interesting examples to look at when talking about the realm of gladiators. Plus, well, it was really just fun to ramble about all I know about Star Spartacus, because frankly, it's a lot. It's, it's a good show. R.I.P. Andy Whitfield. All right, I'm going to end the episode on a review from one of you amazing listeners. As always, this comes from a user called PFUN1 in the States. A hidden gem. So glad I found this gem of a podcast. It's become my obsession as I have recently found Greek mythology fascinating and Liv does a great job sharing these with wit and humor. A must listen. Thank you so very much. I'm going to not comment on how Americans spell humor, but it just perpetually looks weird. 
Let's Talk About Miss Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians. My assistant producer, Laura Smith, is now the production assistant and audio engineer. Maybe she needs a mythological name. <laughs> Select music in this episode was by Luke Chaos. The podcast is part of the iHeart Podcast Network. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Help me continue bringing you the world of Greek mythology and the ancient Mediterranean by becoming a patron where you will get bonus episodes and more. Visit patreon.com slash mythsbaby or click the link in this episode's description. Thank you all. You're the best. Man, this is fun and nerdy. What a cool job I have. I am Liv, and I love this shit. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Claim comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.